We're looking at Zephaniah. Zephaniah. I know I'm in the right place this morning. Amen. It, it, you know, to be in the house of the Lord during a, a time when our world's in turmoil. I mean, think of the turmoil of our world, of our country. Everything that's going on, it's, it's scary. I'm, I'm without the Lord. You know, what would I do? What would you do? It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to have his word today. It's good to be saved today. And it's good, good to know the right direction and get your guidance from the word. Years ago, I went to the altar and I was very confused after I went and prayed. One old timer came up on one side and said, hold on, brother, hold on. Another one came on the other side and said, turn loose, brother, turn loose. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. But I know I'm here this morning and uh, happy to be here in the house of God. Zephaniah. Now, we've studied all 11 minor prophets. We have not studied Zephaniah. So we look at him today. Uh, Zephaniah's name means the Lord hides. Did you know that these prophets received their names by divine intervention? God would come and tell them, their parents, what to name them. Isn't that something? Names are important. His name means the Lord hides. During all the turmoil of Babylon and the invasion, God protected him. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. So they're prophesying at the same time in Jerusalem. Nahum's another one who he probably knew, rubbed shoulders with in the city. And he's prophesying between 25 and 50 years before uh, the Babylonians would come in and defeat Jerusalem. And he would live to see that happen. And yet he's prophesying by faith that God was in control and God was uh, in control of all the world's events and everything that was going to happen. And he would witness this fall. Though the cover is worn and the pages are torn and the places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. We look at the Word of God today in a turmoil. At the turmoil of our world, we find comfort. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7, and we're going to read verse 14. We will be in chapter 3. Stand with me. I know it's a custom here. We will continue that. Good tradition. Some traditions are good. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord. Now, this is not Yahweh here. This is Adonai. You know by the capital L and the three small letters. But then he mentions Yahweh twice in the verse. The presence of Adonai Elohim, for the day of Yahweh is at hand. For the Yahweh, that's the covenant God of Israel, hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guest. Down to verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteneth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, or the day of Yahweh. God bless us as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world. I trust that this is your hour, Lord. I know you're in control. I know you knew before the world began who would be here. And what I would say, and Lord, I ask you to guide my tongue. You're the only one that can tame a tongue, and I ask you to tame it today. And Lord, just speak to hearts. I don't know the hearts. I don't know the problems. I don't know the fears you do because you know all things. So I pray, God, you'll speak. And I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Now we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 9. Today I believe we have PowerPoint. But chapter 3, verse 9, he says here, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him with one consent. So here we have a new people, a new people. He says, I'm going to turn. And that's our word, it's translated converted in Isaiah 60, verse 5. God is going to change hearts. Gentiles are going to be saved. Jews are going to be saved. And they're all going to be in one consent. And this, this, this word, a pure language, it's translated in Isaiah 6, 5, lips. What does Isaiah say? I'm a man of unclean lips. God will uh, give these people pure words and pure worship. He'll change their lips. He'll change their hearts. This is going to be a day of new people and with one consent. Now that Hebrew word is interesting, translated there, consent. It's actually translated five times in your Old Testament, shoulder. And what a, why would it be translated shoulder? One consent shoulder. It has to do with unity of togetherness. Jews and Gentiles being one in that kingdom. And here's, here, here's what we know about the etymology of this word, how the word came together. It has to do with a yoke. When they took oxen, they'd put them shoulder to shoulder. They'd pull as a team, as one. You wouldn't put an oxen with a donkey and expect great success because they would be unequally yoked. What does the Bible tells us, tell us? Not to be unequally yoked with believers. When you're considering marriage, make sure you're equally yoked. When you're going into business, make sure you're equally yoked. So you're shoulder to shoulder. And God says here that in that day, they'll be shoulder to shoulder. They'll be one, Jews and Gentiles with all the turmoil in the world, and you look at Israel's neighbors, and you think about how they must live a lot of times in fear. While I was on a tour with the guide, Yaniv was his name, and I said, you know, America would help you. Why don't you just, you know, deal with this country and deal with that? He said, Dan, we're surrounded by 5 million Muslims. Or what did you say? Excuse me, 500 million Muslims. And they all hate us, and they would all join together. Think of America. If our northern border was not Canada, but China or Russia, and our southern border were not, not Mexico, but the other one, and, and maybe Iran that was really in control of Hawaii, and, and maybe we had North Korea out of, off our eastern shore. That's how the Jews live every day. But God gives them some assurances here that everything's going to be okay. And here we see in Zephaniah, or, yes, chapter 3, verses 8 and following, that the, 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 the chronology of events, we, we know that he's talking here in this chapter about the tribulation, about God dealing with the enemies, the battle of Armageddon, about the millennial kingdom. He's talking about all that here. They understood that. They referred to the tribulation as Jacob's trouble. And so you have these various dispensations. And most of us are dispensationalists. We believe there are different time periods throughout history. God never changes, but certainly things change. Let's just say this was a dispensation of the law. All you folks under the law, wouldn't that be tough? All those regulations and ordinances. And, and that's a dispensation of the law. 
And then you have Jesus come, and of course we know that he died on the cross, and so you have the cross right here that divided the old covenant from the new. And then we have the dispensation of the church, or we call it the grace age. And that's this great dispensation that you're in. Sorry, folks, you're not in this one. That's the law, and then we have the church, and then we have this, this rapture of the church. All of a sudden, these folks are going to disappear. They've died and gone. Now they're raptured out. And then we have this terrible dispensation called the tribulation period, where the man of sin, the Antichrist, picking on Harold, he's, he's going to be here and he's going to set up the mark. And for seven years, we'll have this terrible, terrible dispensation of terrible torture. God's purpose is to get Israel on her knees so that they get saved. The remnant is going to be spared. And then after that dispensation, we have this great battle where he deals with the enemies of Israel. And then he ushers in the new kingdom. Here's the kingdom. That's going to be the greatest time ever where God rules the world. God's in control. What an awesome thing that's going to be. And so now we're in the dispensation of the church age. And we're waiting for the rapture. And to wait for the rapture doesn't mean to sit on a hillside. To sit on a park bench, it means to serve. We actively wait, looking for His return. Now we look in verse 9, and God says, I'm going to make them a new people. A new people. Are you a new person? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They had a 48-year-old lady trust Christ up in North Carolina, an alcoholic. Her life was a mess. She knocked on my room door. She said, I need to talk to somebody. Of course, I couldn't let her in, but I was able to share the gospel with her. And she prayed, and she wanted to receive the Lord. And I thought as I drove home, no one's there to disciple her. I can't help her anymore. I just have to trust that God will bring someone across her path. But I thought this thought. So many people I've told about Jesus who have prayed a prayer not changed. And that always bothers me. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You, you can't trust some little prayer you prayed when you were a child if nothing ever changed in your life. Because if you're truly born again, you're regenerated, you're repented, you're a new creation. And change needs to take place in your life. And I always scratch my head and think, that person professes to be a Christian, but there's no evidence of that in their life. And I'm not trying to cause you to doubt your salvation. But the last days, there's going to be a lot of people professing, but not everyone possessing. The Bible said there'll be wheat amongst the tares. Churches will have wolves come in and just tear the church up. And we're living in the last days. There's no doubt lukewarmness in the church today. The church, generally speaking, the whole church. And it scares me. And I want to ask you that question personally. Are you a new creation? Has there been a time in your life when things changed? Where God definitely did a work in your life and now you live differently. You think differently. You act differently because you're a child of God. If not, the Bible said you're still a child of the devil. And you're lost. And so make sure you're a new person. Then we find he talks about a new age, verses 10 through, uh, through uh, 13. 
He talks about a new age. He talks about the Ethiopians and the Jews. The, the word dispersed is always an idiom referring to the Jews. They were scattered. They were scattered. Remember, they were scattered all over the world. In 1948, they came back to Israel from 106 nations. Isn't that something? You know, I know that prior to them returning to the land, if you'd said Israel would be a nation again, most people would have said, are you crazy? There's not any Jews in the Holy Land. There's just a few shepherds there. Jews are all over the world. And then Adolf Hitler came on the scene. In the Holocaust... And God used the evil man and the evil of the day to give Israel a new start. And they returned in 1948. Some of you, a couple of you, Brother Jim, you, you were 18 probably when that happened or, uh, you know, around that age. Conroy back there probably remember those things happening. Israel becoming a nation. And now they're considered the sixth most powerful military in the world. Surrounded by enemies that hate them. And some of the most powerful military countries are nearby. I mean, Iran and, and, and Russia are nearby and they live a life uh, in insecurity. God has a plan. And no one's going to be overtake them, to be able to overtake them because they're God's people and that God brought them back to the land from 106 nations. And that was miraculous how God touched the heart of people from 106 nations to return. And I believe they have 7 million Jews there in that little strip of land now. So he says, a new age where Jews, the dispersed, and the Ethiopians, the Gentiles, are all together. Verse 11, in that day thou shalt be, you'll not be ashamed anymore. Where thou hast transgressed me, I'll take away out of the midst of them that rejoice. I'm going to deal with the arrogant people. And you won't have to be ashamed of being a Jew anymore. And you won't have to be ashamed of the mistakes you've made. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine the day in the, in, in the millennial kingdom where we don't have to feel ashamed for what we've done? Sometimes I'm ashamed of things I've done. You know, and I thought, I, I don't know if I want to go to my 50th reunion, which is 49 years away. My high school reunion. I don't know. It's, it's going to come up in a few years. And I, I thought, do I want to go? Because will I have to get in a fight? I was kind of a rabble rouser. And I'm sure I had some enemies and maybe still do. Probably some of them are a little shocked that I'm a minister today. And I thought, I'm ashamed of some things I did in high school. And as a teenager and as a young man as well. I wish I could get do-overs. You just don't get do-overs. But you know what? I won't be ashamed in that millennial kingdom. It's all going to be gone. I won't have to worry about my mistakes. And God won't allow anyone arrogant to be in it. Those who made mistakes will no longer be ashamed, and there won't be arrogant people in the new Jerusalem. Look at verse 13. Love this verse. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity nor speak lies, nor speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and will lie down, and none shall make them afraid. No more fear of Iran, Syria. Did you know they found the largest oil supply ever 
in the world just inside of the Israel border, Israeli border, and the border of Syria. So what do you think the Russians and the Syrians think? Boy, we'd like to get that oil. One day they'll try. And Jesus will fight for Israel. Israel can't take on all those nations. If you study the war of the 48, the 67, the 73 Yom, Yom Kippur War and study all those wars, you'll, you'll leave the book that you read and back away and as a Christian say, that was miraculous. How did they win those three wars? But the big war of Armageddon, they won't be able to win without the Lord's divine intervention. Jesus Christ will fight for them. And that new age, that millennium will come. So here he says, you know, there's a new day coming. The remnant will, will be back in Israel. They'll regather. They'll be there. No more shame. No more fear. No more sin. Oh, I like that. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all thy heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Praise God. I mean, that's going to be a time where Jews and Gentiles are together in this coming kingdom. And I, I look forward to that kingdom. Between now and then, we have a rough road. Life is hard. Each one of you carries a cross. Each one of you could say, oh, it's been a rough week or month or year. There's been some difficult times in your lives because this is a cruel, wicked, uncaring world. Why are we told to cast all our care upon Him? Because no one else cares like Him. I mean, I pray for people. In fact, this morning I prayed for several of our elderly people. I called their names out and I said, God, help them with their health. And, and Lord, they really struggle. And I prayed for them this morning. But no one cares like Jesus. No one cares like Him. He cares. He cares. And, and we know... Frank Groff, the, the writer who, uh, you know, was, was, was out, you know, was, was, his family was out and he lost his family as they drowned in a ship and his wife wrote him and said, all your kids are dead. He wrote that song. He cares. I know he cares. He cares. He cares for Israel. He cares for you. And I don't understand why all these bad things happen and sometimes they happen to good people. But I know one day, it's all going to come to an end. And we trust that. Now think about this. Abraham looked for a city and he never found it. But he looked for a city whose, whose creator, whose maker is the Lord. Never found that city. And we're supposed to look for the coming of the Lord. And we're supposed to look for that city. And we're supposed to live for God and hope and anticipation that one day he's going to come. And we may not live to see that. But it's going to come. Abraham will see it, and you'll see it, and I'll see it. What a day that's going to be. The new age is coming, and I'm not talking about the liberal new age movement on the earth. I'm talking about a new age with God on the throne of heaven. He says, sing and shout and rejoice. He says in verse 15, he's going to deal with your enemy. Now remember, they're about to be overtaken by Babylon. So God's, this is a, this is a prophetic statement. That has two meanings. David would write about his own trials and trials of the future. 
David would talk about his friend betraying him, talking about his own difficulty, and then Jesus being betrayed as well. This is the same type of prophecy. He's talking about Babylon, and he's talking about the future of Israel when all the enemies will attack her. He says, The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, Yahweh, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Can you imagine that, that new age, no evil? Jesus Christ is the king of Israel. And he's on his throne. He's on his throne. He just keeps, keeps on, he says in verse 16, don't, don't let your hands be feeble or weak or faint. He says, fear not. Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack, feeble, or weak. Don't be discouraged. Stay strong in the Lord. His time is coming. And he says here in verse 17, I like what Zodiades says about this. The Lord thy God is in the midst. There's his presence. And he is, and, and, and of thee is mighty. There's his power. And he will save, there's his protection. This word, Hebrew words, translated in your Bible so many ways. It's translated rescue. Rescue. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. He's going to rescue Israel. He's going to save them from disaster. They have no, they're without hope, surrounded by enemies. And you know, in your life, without the Lord, you're without hope and surrounded by enemies. Did you know that? Marvel not if the world hates you, Jesus said. They hated me. They're going to hate you. So nice to have believers to call and to depend on. Fellowship's so important in your life. You really need other believers in your life. So nice to have that because we're in a world that doesn't care about us. We're pilgrims just passing through. I like what it says there. He changes to the... To the first person, God says, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. I'm going to pull everybody together for a solemn assembly. And he says, I, I, and he says here, who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden? Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee. He's going to deal with the enemies. I will save her that hope. He's going to deal with people who are crippled. And sick. Can you imagine that? A millennium where there's no illness, no sickness, no, no people in wheelchairs, no blind people. Just think of that, that new age. The millenniums. Are you aware that the millennial kingdom is going to come? We're going to be raptured. We're going to come back with him and set up the kingdom. We will rule and reign with him. The twelve will be leaders during that time. The apostles. And he says here, he'll rejoice, he'll rest, he'll sing. In verse 19, he said, I'll undo, I'll gather, I'll save. He says, I will, he says, the enemy will be driven out. I will get them praise and fame in every land. Here are the Jews who are looked down upon by most of the world. You don't hear this in our media today. You hear a lot about, and certainly any kind of persecution or any people that are mistreated, you know, we ought to call attention to that. But how many times do you hear that the Jews are persecuted in America tenfold, ten times more than any other group of people in America? 
There are more anti-Semitic attacks than there are Asian attacks. But what do you hear on the news? And Jews are hated worldwide. They're looked down upon. They're looked upon in a condescending manner. They're just disliked by most of the people of the world. But that's going to come to an end. He said, I'm going to undo their oppressors. I'm going to deliver the lame. I'm going to regather them. And we know that they've already been returning. I love all the scriptures on them regathering. I love Isaiah 11. It says, I'll assemble the outcast of Israel. I'll gather together the dispersed. I'll have a highway for the remnant of people to return. He said, I'll, I'll save them. I'll bring a remnant to Israel. He says, I'll deliver them. Jews will be delivered. The remnant will call on the Lord. They'll return. Micah says, I'll gather the remnant of Israel. They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. I love Genesis. I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Hey, we've got to get our theology right. Israel is important. They're the chosen people. And God's going to protect them and save them and set up his kingdom. And they're going to be a big part of that kingdom. And he says, I'll make them a name. Look at verse 20. I will make you a name. I love what Revelation says. In Revelation uh, chapter 21, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And it goes on to say, And there was a great wall and high, and they had 12 gates. And the gates, 12 angels. And the names written thereon are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Think of that. Think of the names on the gates of that holy city. The Jews, their names will be there. Isn't that something? Joseph's name will be above a gate. And Ephraim and, and in all the other ones, Levi, in all 12 names will be on those gates. God's going to make a name for Israel. He's going to make them something. These people that have been treated badly and looked down upon for centuries will be treated Great, and there'll be something. Do you know millions of Jews were killed in Russia? And six million in the Holocaust. I mean, you just read the history of the suffering of the people of Israel. No one's been scattered in a hundred plus countries except the Jews. But boy, one day they're going to be something, aren't they? God is going to make something special of them. And, and he'll, he'll make them a praise. He said, I, I, I'm going to make you a name and a praise among people. People will actually praise the Jew. Instead of treating them badly and looking down upon them, they'll actually praise them. Boy, aren't the Jews great. Isn't it great that we have this holy city and Jesus the Jew sits on the throne and we can go in the gates of the 12 patriarchs. Boy, thank God for the Jews because it's Jesus the Jew that brought us salvation. And they'll thank God for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and all the brethren and all the tribes, the 12 tribes. And that kingdom will be set up and the headquarters will be Jerusalem. And from there, Jesus will rule the world. There'll still be sin in the world, but there'll be justice. Justice. No one will do anything without answering to God. We all want justice. I want justice for everybody in the world except myself. I want to get by with a few things here and there. Seriously, there'll be justice in the world. Can you imagine that? God knows everything. I love these 
I wanted to be a detective and I was in the ride along program and I love the crime shows. I love the DNA stuff and I love it when they catch somebody. They get somebody 30 years later, 40 years later, or just right away. And you think, isn't that great? But do you know 90% of people get by with murder and don't get caught? Or do they? God knows it all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. And you don't get by with anything. Everything will be accountable. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he says here, I'll make you a name and a praise. And that's our word, talah, which you get our word, hallelujah, from that word praise. Praise the Lord is the Hebrew word, hallelujah. I love the 150th Psalm. Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his house. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with, uh, I, I forgot, but praise him upon these loud symbols. Praise him upon the high sounding symbols. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. We've got a kingdom that's coming. We've got a Lord that's coming. I wish the rapture would take place, but boy, when we come back with him, that's going to be something, folks. All the evil we see, it'll all be unraveled and the, the wicked people will all answer. And the Bible said every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The agnostics, the false professors, those who be little Christians and make fun of God will all be on their knees begging God and confessing that Jesus is Lord. But if you're not saved in this generation, in this age, it's too late. It's too late for them. We're supposed to pray for our leaders. I know a lot of Christians are always really riled up about the way the country's going and who's in charge. And my thought is, we can pray. The Bible says men are going to get wax worse, wax worse and worse. Our country's going to get worse. But we can pray as long as believers are in the world we can pray and trust God. And when we're raptured out, no one, the Bible says, no one will stand with Israel. Think of our country when we're gone. They'll all say, Israel, yeah, they have resources. Let the Russians go there and get oil. They won't bother us. And none will stand with Israel. None. Not America. Not anyone. And that's when Jesus has to intervene to spare his people. And when those 144,000 get saved and they begin to preach Jesus and masses of Gentiles get saved, oh, what a thing that's going to be, the tribulation with all the tragedy in the tribulation, but all the salvation of souls in the tribulation. And then when it's getting so bad, nobody can bear it anymore, Jesus comes back and we come with him. Wow, that's going to be something. There's a new age coming. There's a new age coming. Are you a new person? A new age, a new person, and then, of course, a new song. A new song. Verses 14 to 20, we've already read. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Music's a big part of our lives, and singing's important, and we need to praise the Lord. I love First Thessalonians. It says, and I'm paraphrasing, we need to make the choice to rejoice. We need to have the attitude of gratitude. You know, ask your spouse, am I negative? Am I critical? 
Am I grateful? Some of you say, I'm not asking, so I know what the answer will be. We need to have the attitude of gratitude. We need to rejoice because Jesus is coming. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's going to be a rapture all of a sudden? It could take place today. I'd miss the chili supper for the rapture. Yeah. Because I'd like to just spend time at his table for a while. God's in control, folks. Quit worrying. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, prayer. Prayer takes your anxiety away. Middle of the night last night, I'm awake, and I thought, Lord, I need some sleep. And he said, well, you need to pray. He didn't speak in all voice, but I realized I needed to pray about some things, and I had a good time of prayer. And uh, just that laying in bed talking to him was so reassuring because he just gives you a peace after prayer that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's fine, and for the believer, all things work together for good. doesn't say they are good. They work together for good. And God is on the throne today. I'm so excited to know that he's in control. If it were Joe Biden were in control, I'd be very worried. He can control the weather, but he doesn't control much else. I'm joking. I pray for him. I want him to succeed. I really do. And I have to pray for him. And I have to pray for God to save him. That that he could know Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? It can happen. But I know that the ultimate authority in our world is Jesus. And he's coming again. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And the assurance from Zephaniah that the day of the Lord is coming and it's not going to be good. But the tribulation period will bring about the salvation of your people. And then ultimately the kingdom will come. Lord, I'm glad I don't have to be there for the tribulation period. And I pray, God, for Israel to be saved and for them to have peace, but knowing that you're the only peace in this world, the Prince of Peace. I pray, God, just speak to hearts. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that they'll come today and say, I want to meet the Lord. I want to know Jesus. I need that assurance and peace in my life, Pastor, and I come this morning. Lord, our altars are always open for prayer. I don't know the hearts, but we know that this is your time. You've spoken to hearts, hearts I don't know, but hearts you know. And I pray you're blessed now in Jesus' name. I stand and sing.